Alright, welcome back, uh, Kyle High Club, episode 12. Uh, a lot of things be happening out there in the world, so let's fucking talk about it. Um, I guess first and foremost, last night I went and saw Tom Segura live here in Madison at the Orpheum Theater. Uh, and it was fucking awesome, man. Uh, he's hilarious, his fucking, his new material's great, and oh my god, um... I can't even remember any of the jokes that he told. Um, and even if I did, I, I wouldn't tell them because I wouldn't want to spoil it. Um, but it was fucking hilarious. It was fucking awesome to watch. Uh, he's absolutely funny. His opener was funny as well. I don't remember his name. I got there a little late because traffic sucked. And, um, yeah, I got kind of... I didn't get too high before. I was really high, but I left a little later than I should have. But I also didn't think traffic would be that bad. But fuck it. That's life. Um, still got to see uh, Tommy Buns' full full set. Uh, and the guy before him was fucking hilarious. I think he just started before I walked in. Um, yeah, it was a great time. And, you know, just what I said earlier, I don't remember any of his bits or any of his jokes, but... And now that I think about it, each comedian I've seen live here in Madison, I've seen Ron White, uh, Segura's wife, Christina Pazinski, uh, Chris, uh, D'Elia, and I guess that's it. I saw Shane Mouse, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he had a stand-up science show. That was pretty cool. Um, saw that and did some comedy as well, so I guess that, that counts. Uh, I think that's all I've seen so far in Madison uh, and guys that I know and am fans of um, but every single time I don't remember any of the jokes I try to remember them and like the night of I might remember one and it was really just like the last joke I heard because it was on my mind and uh, I think it's because and this isn't even my own original thought this is I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. He had Ronald Funches on, I believe his name, or Ron Funches. He's also another comedian. And I forget which one said it. It might have been Ron, but one of them said that uh, they feel like when they do stand-up, and especially with the audience, and uh, that it's almost like a hypnotizing sort of effect like when you when uh you know someone's perfected maybe not perfected but crafted you know their material in a way that you know you're locked in on every single word they're saying every single pause uh every you know all the body language fucking eye movement and what all of it um it's kind of like a uh hypnosis effect and you kind of just get uh, in a trance and you just like completely in the moment to where you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about your job or your bills or your wife cheating on you or whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, you're literally just fucking listening to this guy talk through a microphone in front of a bunch of people, you know, no music, no background music, no, uh, no props or anything like that. You know, some guys use like the stool and microphone. And of course there's uh What's the prop, famous prop comedian's name? Carrot Top. 
think he still has a show in Vegas. So, I mean, some guys do it. Have things. But for the most part, they're just standing on a stage with a microphone. And we're like, okay, we'll pay you to make us laugh. You know, and put us in that trance. And put us in that place where you're not thinking about anything but what this guy's saying. And he's just saying it. You're not prepared for it at all. So when you hear it, all you could do is just fucking laugh. Because it's fucking funny. Uh, even the shit that, like, some audience members would be like, oh, you know, something outrageous or dark uh you know some people it's not even that they get offended it's just that's their initial reaction like ooh, you know they're kind of soft <laughs> for me i kind of just laugh at everything because i know it's a comedy show and i know their jokes and that this isn't what this person actually thinks uh but i mean that's besides the point but i i agree with whoever said it ron or joe rogan ron fudges or joe rogan um where they said it's like a, you're like you're, you're in trance, um, and you're solely concentrated on the present moment and where you are, uh, where you are in the theater, you know, what the, what the, what you're listening to and what you're watching, um, and it's pretty cool, um, I've never really been a show type of guy, like, I don't go to, I haven't been to many concerts or things like that. Uh, at least in my past. I mean, I was a kid too. I didn't have my own money and my own, you know, means of getting there. I guess or paying for it. But I don't know. And you know, I've been to some musical shows, but I, I fucking a comedy show is different. And I'd say I I probably prefer it. Um, I don't, I mean, it's not a competition. I don't know. They're each their own separate thing. Um, I don't even want to make them a top competition. But, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Comedy shows are fucking awesome to go to. That's all I'm trying to say. It's awesome to laugh. <laughs> and especially the live venue. Like, it's one thing to watch a uh, Netflix special. And, like, yeah, you can sit around on your couch and enjoy the comfort of your home. Eat some food or whatever. Hang out with your girlfriend. Cuddle up. Uh, whatever. Hang out with your cat or whatever whatever you got <laughs> um but it's still in a 2d flat screen digital thing you know you're not really there you're not really experienced the moment this happened way before uh there's some most most comedians don't edit too much of their shit but there is some editing in there so um not saying it's fake or it's inauthentic but it's not the same as being there in the room with them and experiencing those laughs and experiencing even those awkward times when somebody stumbles or like they just can't stop laughing because the joke's so funny or they think their own joke's so funny that they can't even continue. Um, uh, Chris Tillian did that when I saw it. Like he literally, he was trying to do a bit and he's, it, was, it was kind of a physical bit. He's kind of like acting some things out. Um, I don't even remember what it was, honestly. But uh, he couldn't stop laughing because he knew, because the shit he was about to say was so, just like geeked himself so much out that he couldn't say it. And, you know, after the like, I don't know, he only did it a handful of times. Um, but. I don't know, just that genuine moment of, okay, this is just a person talking to us, uh, just coming up with shit in their free time. Um, But that's their job. It's not like just a hobby. They get paid to do this. I paid them to see this, and it's 
fucking worth it. Tickets are usually not very expensive. Uh, I mean, I always sit in the fucking way back. Uh, so they're not expensive if you want to sit all the way at the bay, the last section of the balcony. Uh, I was in the first row of the last section of the balcony last night. So I didn't have anybody in front of me. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah, love comedy shows. Uh, and look forward to seeing more, you know, for the rest of the time I'm alive. It's fucking awesome. Uh, so there was that, and then it was my thing going on in the world. Um, and yeah, um, next thing, this, uh, kind of switching gears and not very a smooth transition, but fuck it. Um, don't like it. You know what to do. Um, <laughs> But uh, Magic Johnson, the NBA Hall of Famer and former Lakers president, resigned from the Lakers. Uh, I believe he was president of basketball operations. I don't know his exact title. I probably should know more if I'm going to talk about it, but fuck it. Um, I've talked a little about the Lakers and Magic and LeBron and Luke Walton um, and how literally the same result as the year before. And you have everybody on the same team, like, it's the same exact players, and you added LeBron, but somehow you got the same result. Well, what the fuck is that? And I wasn't trying to point fingers or blame anybody, but, like, something's going on there, right? Um, And now we know, yeah. Uh, And I'm not going to say it's LeBron, but it's it's LeBron. I mean, that's LeBron. That's what he does. Uh, not saying he really does anything, but I don't know. He seems to decide who the coach ends up being and things like that. Um, who the players are, what personnel decisions you make, who you're going to draft. Like when he was back on the Heat um, with Wade and Bosch, he suggested that they should draft. Um, God damn, who was the guy from Villanova? Not Kemba Walker, but. Uh, Guy that came after him and they won the ship when they were like a seven seed. God damn it, that's gonna bug me. Was it Shabazz Napier? Might have been Shabazz Napier. So I think when I'm hoping that's it. If not, sorry. But when LeBron was back on Miami and everyone kind of knew he wasn't staying already, he said that if they draft Shabazz Napier, it would like. That would, you know, be an extra tally for staying in Miami or whatever. And so they did that, but he ended up leaving. Um, so, I mean, he just does things like that. But, yeah, so Magic Johnson resigned. Uh, I think that was fucking yes. It was either yesterday or Wednesday, two days ago. Um and then literally today, like a couple hours ago, Luke Walton, a Lakers, the Lakers released a statement that Luke Walton is now out as coach after three years. Um, after they gave him a decent deal, they signed him. You know, it seemed like Magic was going to be on there long term. Magic, LeBron, and Luke Walton, and you know, it seemed like it would be a good working relationship. You know, Magic Johnson seems like the nicest guy, one of the nicest guys in the world, and super sweet, and definitely has a basketball mind. Like, if you fucking 
never heard him on first take. He used to go on first take a bunch before he was the Lakers president. And he would talk about the Lakers all the time. And everything he was doing, I was like, yes, we need to do that. Instead of doing whatever the fuck we were doing. And I think he even campaigned to have Jeannie Buss to be the owner and not her brother to run the shit. And then she brought him on board. And then he just fucking skips town. Um, he doesn't skip town. He lives in L.A. but he just And he's an owner of the Dodgers, partial owner of the Dodgers. So he's not going anywhere. He might have a partial ownership in the Sparks, too. I can't remember. <clears throat> the women's... Uh, professional basketball team in LA Los Angeles Spark I believe but yeah now he he stepped down and then today Lakers basically let go of Luke Walton who I thought they at the beginning of the year when things weren't going you know so great um when everyone was like basically shitting on Luke Walton cause it's like oh like how's the team not doing good you have LeBron like what the fuck man and um Jeannie Buzz, the owner, tweeted, and Luke, we trust. And then that same season, you can't him. So what the fuck's going on? He signed him with a big, a big deal. He was a very good assistant coach with the Warriors. Uh, he was a great basketball mind. Uh, his father was a, is a NBA uh, Hall of Famer, Bill Walton. Uh, doesn't mean that makes him automatically qualifies him as a good coach. And yes, when he was a coach of the Warriors, they were really fucking good. Um, they had a seventy nine and three season. I believe he started that season coaching, and they were like forty and one or some shit, some crate. They're like twenty three and two, which is way different than the first number I said. But then again, you already he's already coaching a great team that won the championship year, maybe not the year before. Uh, no, yeah, the year. I think they won. I don't know. But they're a really good team. I'm not, you can't really give it too much credit for that. And he was assistant coach of Steve Kerr, who put in, put in their quote-unquote system. <clears throat> and the idea that Luke Walton was going to basically come out of the Lakers and mimic that system, run up and down the court, shoot a lot of threes, and play fast, and just try to score more than the other team. And he definitely tried. I don't know if they have the right personnel. They don't really have too much, too many good shooters on the Lakers, so it doesn't really work, I think, in my opinion. So, I mean, you can't just run a style. you got to run a style to your players. Um, and I don't know. I don't know too much about basketball, but what I'm trying to say is Luke Wallen and Magic Johnson are gone now, and the only thing that changed from them before they got there and now when they're gone, is they have LeBron on the team. And so, did LeBron force them out, or... I'm not, I don't know what happened, obviously, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's LeBron, you have to do what he wants. You just have to. Um even if you're the Lakers, even if you're Magic Johnson. And that's why Magic Johnson probably resigned. He's probably like, well, fuck this, man. I'm not going to do everything LeBron says. Like, I'm Magic fucking Johnson. You got me fucked up. I'm in the Hall of Fame. I got my rings. 
I got my rings here too in LA. All of them. You haven't done sh LeBron hasn't done shit for anything for LA. All he did was show up and play. Um, I'm not shit on him. Probably the best player in the world. But. I think the money behind them, and I bet, I mean, the Lakers are a very successful organization in their own right, but before LeBron showed up, they were some shit, let's just be honest, you know, had a top five draft pick for several years in a row, um, and just weren't good, and so, even though the Lakers are a pretty much not a dynasty team. I mean, they've had dynasties over the over the uh, decades. But um, they're probably making less money than they are now, <clears throat> just because LeBron's on the team. More jersey sales, um, more fucking ticket sales. Everything. I mean, they're probably all sold out always. The Lakers games, but I think hmm, no, never mind. So, I mean, LeBron has a lot of power. He has a lot of power. And as an individual, he might make more than anybody in the entire Lakers organization. Like, the organization probably makes more altogether because they have tons of assets everywhere. But as far as, like, take home at the end of the day on an individual basis, like, I don't even know if the CEO or fucking Genie Buzz takes in more money than LeBron. Um, you know, that's that'd be something... That's something to look up. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look up Genie Bus Net Worth. And I know that's not very accurate. Oh, God. That's a net worth of $500 million? Fuck. I might be wrong. But LeBron's got to be close to that, right? Four hundred fifty. So, I mean, he definitely makes the second most money in that organization. Because <laughs> net worth is one thing. It's just how much their assets and companies that they own are worth. So, I mean, most of Genie Buses is probably just through Lakers money. Meanwhile, LeBron, so, like, if Bus just stopped working, stopped being the CEO, she wouldn't make, I mean, I'm still sure she still makes money, but her net worth would uh, drastically decline. Probably at least $100 million. Probably a lot more, honestly. Um, Jesus Christ. But LeBron, you know, besides his playing money, has, you know, endorsements in Nike and Gatorade and fucking McDonald's and fucking every big-ass corporation you could ever think of. LeBron's behind it. Uh, and he makes his own shit, too, that people consume, and he makes money off of. He could stop playing basketball fucking five years ago, at least, and he'd be... I mean, he said for the rest of his life, his first year he played, probably, but... I mean, a shit ton of money. And so, you know, while we like to think athletics might be different from the rest of the world... They're not. It's just a reflection of the rest of the world under a microscope. Uh, you just got to interpret it correctly. And really, you can take anything in the world and shift it and manipulate your mind and interpret it how you or I think is the best way to look at it. You know, 
all of that, quote unquote. Like, I don't, yeah. But, my opinion, that's, that's, that's how it is. And Magic was probably like, well, I'm not going <laughs> to do everything LeBron just tells me to do because I'm Magic Johnson. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying it was an ego thing, but it was might be a money and a uh, disagreement on how they want the organization to go from here. And LeBron probably disagrees about the players around him on the team. Uh, Magic and Luke are sticking up for the younger players because they know they have talent in them and they have been tasked with developing these young players and building not just a good team for the couple years that LeBron is here, but for several decades. And that takes time and work. And that's how the Warriors built their team. Yes, they did just sign DeMarcus Cousins and they have, you know, probably two of the greatest shooters of all time in NBA history. But originally, those guys were, uh, you know, they weren't high picks. Uh, um, Seth Curry wasn't a high pick. Clay Thompson wasn't a high pick. You know, both first rounders. But and I think Draymond might have been in the second round. And you know, just with those three guys, uh, they didn't. They weren't great right out of the gates the first year. Uh, and I think Seth Curry like broke his ankle his second year in the league, so that hindered him. And you know it takes a while to to grow and develop. Um, you know anything, anything in life, especially a game of skill, and a physical game of skill. Um, it takes it takes time. You got to put the shots up in the gym. And, you know, LeBron probably just wants things to click right here and now. And, uh, you know, he has four years on this deal. This year's passed, so he has three years left. Um, so he probably wants to try to win a championship before those years are up. And he doesn't think he could do it with the current roster around him in four years. So he wants them to trade everybody, bring in Anthony Davis, bring in bring in somebody else. I don't, I don't know who. To, he probably would have liked Carmelo. Um But, you know, who knows? Who knows what happened? Uh, that's my thoughts about it. I honestly don't want to talk about it anymore. And just speaking of money, I saw something come across uh, ESPN Wire that Adam Thielen, the wide receiver of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, just signed a new uh, four-year, $64 million contract extension. So that's pretty hype for him. If I can do math here, is that $12 million a year? I don't even know. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. It's over $10 million a year. That's all I fucking know. Too high to do math right now. Um, so it's pretty cool. And I think Thielen, unless somebody can think of somebody better, is Adam Thielen the greatest white receiver of all time? Mm. West, there's Wes Well, How about this? Is Adam Thielen the greatest white receiver in NFL history that isn't a prototypical, quote-unquote, slot receiver? He's not a speedy. I mean, he's speedy. He's fast. Um, but he's not like a Wes Welker or a Julian Adelman. Um, you know, he's, he's a little taller. I don't know how tall he is. Is he 6'2"? 
might be 6'2". So he's taller than defensive backs for sure, and he's kind of big. A 6'2". It gave me hype and not weight. The fuck Wikipedia? Fucking Google? The fuck is that? Who knows? Probably like 220. But I don't know. Is that is he the greatest wide receiver of all time? Who else is there? I know there's the only other one I could think of is Chris Collinsworth, but I never saw him play. And the only reason I know him is because he does uh, commentating for the NFL. Um, I'm literally gonna Google right now greatest white receivers. <laughs> An auto field. The 25 best white wide receivers in NFL history. Complex media. I'm gonna go through all of these. Fuck it. I didn't think I'd go down this road, but it's happening. Um, <laughs> 25. Eric Decker. Damn. So this 24. Brandon Stokely. And this was 2014. So it's kind of it's kind of old. Jordy Nelson. 23. Joe. Gervasius, 22, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know him. Ricky Prowell, I don't know him. Bill Schroeder, don't know him. Steve Watson, nope. Pat Tilly, nope. Wayne Trebet, oh, I think I've heard that name. But I don't know. <laughs> Ed McCaffrey, uh, Christian McCaffrey's father. And I don't think he was like crazy good. And he's number 16. Uh, Dwight Clark, the guy that caught the pass from Joe Montana in the end zone, that famous one versus uh, the Cowboys there. Billy Houghton, old-ass pick. Max Speedy, 12. Hugh Taylor, I don't know any of these guys. Chris Collinsworth, number 11. Elroy Hirsch, a lot of these guys, black and white photos. Like, they didn't even pass the ball back then or play defense. Wes Welker, 8. Del Schaffner, Raymond Berry, Fred, oh yeah, duh, Fred Belentnikov, I've heard of him from Madden, I had a Madden Ultimate Team, Steve Largent, oh yeah, I've heard of him, Lance Allworth, oh yeah, I've heard of him, Don Hudson, I haven't heard of him, so, honestly, besides Steve Largent and Fred Belentnikov, I'm taking Adam Thielen, man, and I'd probably take Adam Thielen over the, both those guys, so both those guys are probably... I mean, people were just smaller back then. He's probably small as fuck. He looks like a... He looks... He looks my size. And I'm not NFL size. Even for a receiver. I'm height-wise, but... Man, these dudes look skinny as fuck. You know, Jesus. So, yeah. Congrats, I don't feeling. It's a decent amount of... Decent amount of change. And, um... You know, originally I thought... I didn't think he was a fluke, but I didn't think he was as good as he is. Um, so that first year, I think when they had Case Keenum and he kind of came onto the scene, um, I thought he was just good because he was the other guy next to Stefan Diggs. And, you know, now we know Thielen puts up better numbers and more consistent numbers than Diggs and might be a better overall uh, receiver. I don't know if he's a better athlete. Better speed, uh, things like that. But he was a better guy, at least last year, and I think the year before. But when first started out, I just thought Thielen was the opposite guy to Diggs, and he was just getting attention because Diggs is so – he was so good, so athletic. I remember watching him play back at Maryland, 
and return punts and things like that. He didn't get the ball too much as a receiver. It didn't seem like they knew how to work him that well. Or maybe um, Maryland played JMU, James Madison University, um, school I went to. My One of my best friends was a punter on the team at the time, so I went, went to the game and watched it. It was like a couple hours away from JMU, so it wasn't nothing. Snuck a water bottle in, a vodka. And I was pretty hammered, honestly, and then... I saw his parents and it was pretty drunk, I think. And I remember the bathrooms, they had the trough bathrooms. This is the first time I ever fucking um, pissed in a trough bathroom. Um, if you're not aware of what a trough is, or like a, I don't know, it was like a feeding trough, but like a drain, just like a big tub of drain uh, horizontally across the wall of the bathroom. You know, no separate individual stalls, just one big long uh drain essentially uh and if you know what a feeding trough is for pigs it kind of is similar to that but it's dick height for humans so you can piss into it um (laughs) but it was like probably like 20 30 feet long and i was like oh what the fuck what what the fuck is this but i had to pee so bad i didn't care i was drunk and yeah just a lot of a lot of dudes standing next to each other with their dicks out with no separation or anything. Um, yeah. I probably forgot what I was talking about because I, I think it might it might be scarred. But <laughs> uh, yeah, congrats to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Look great, uh, returning kicks and punts. Uh, that day and super athletic and you know one of my buddies told me about him beforehand before I was going to the game he was like yo watch out for Diggs he's nice especially on punt returns and kick returns he wasn't lying Uh, I believe he was drafted fifth round but I knew he was a steal for that and yeah I always knew Diggs was a stud but I didn't know Thielen was and it's nice to see he's getting his fucking money that's dope and shout out to white receivers the five out there in the NFL um so yeah, uh, I guess just keep it on the sport, uh, sport train, um, switch over to MLB, and mainly talk about talk about my Red Sox. Uh, had some early season struggles. I've only watched a couple games. Uh, currently they're four and nine, and they're actually going to be playing a game against Baltimore right now, not right now, but in like ten minutes. Um, and everyone's kind of freaking, I don't know if everyone's freaking out, but, like, I get uh, alerts on my phone of, you know, ESPN guys. I have alerts for teams that I'm fans of, you know, if any news or something happens. Um, but I get alerts when somebody, you know, for ESPN or whoever writes a story about those teams. And so they call this news, and it's just a story, though. Um, you know, nothing happened. They're just talking about what you know I don't even know I don't read the stories but you get alerts like why are the Red Sox doing so bad why the Red Sox won't repeat if they keep this up you know why the starting pitching of the Red Sox is really destroying their ego or whatever their mojo um and yeah it's all valid questions to ask and I guess your job as a journalism and things like that the thing that takes me off is I don't want fucking alerts for your fucking bullshit stories that you wrote your fucking subjective ass stories um, I subscribed to news. I didn't su- subscribe to stories. 
Um, so fuck that. <laughs> and that goes for everything. I don't want any fucking news alerts about some story some writer wrote. You know, hit me with the alert if, like, fucking, I don't know, a tsunami hits or something. You know? That's what I want to be alerted about. I don't give a fuck about your fucking stories that you took some spin and you have some ideas on. If I want to fucking care about it, I'll go and find it and look at myself. I'll type into Google, why the Red Sox sucks so bad right now? You know? Like, I don't want alerts on my phone about that bullshit. But fuck that shit. Um, but, you know, I'm not too worried. The Red Sox season, uh, you know, defending champs. And, yeah, last in the division right now, tied at 4-9 with the Blue Jays. But I'm not panicking. Uh, the Yankees are really hurt, so they're only 5-7. and seven. Uh, Somehow Tampa Bay is 10-3 right now. They're four and a half games up on the Yankees, six and a half, or six up on the Red Sox. Um, I'm sure the rest of the divisions will make competitive, so it'll be hard to just, you know, shoot for that wild league spot, but it's super early. Uh, said, not, four and nine, so they've played 13 games, going to play their 14th today. They have 162 games in the season. So if you do math, you could do math. How many do they have left? I don't know. I'm not doing the math. I already said earlier, I'm not fucking doing it. Quit asking me to do the math. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Um, I think we'll stay in the hunt, and I don't think the Rays are going to keep up a 10-3, and three, you know, probability of winning from here on out. I don't see that happening. But who knows? Um, everyone's doing that money ball shit, so teams like the Rays and the Braves, uh, the teams that, and the Astros, like a couple years ago, the Astros were some shit, and they were the worst team in the division. But then you casually rebuild over a couple of years, you're right back in the hunt. And the Astros are one of the best teams in the American League. You know, the American League Championship Series last year, ALCS, Red Sox were really bad. You know, when they had... Um, Bobby Valentino, Bobby Valentine <laughs> as their manager. for They were like 32 and something that year. I don't even remember. And I saw them that year. And, you know, they had lost, but whatever. It's still cool to see a game at Fenway Park. You know, but now they're nasty. And I think they'll get it straightened out. Uh, basically have the same team as last year. Uh, I think uh, starting pitching has struggled a, a decent amount. Um, the bats haven't struggled too much. You know, not killing it with the bats because I see the, the Mariners are killing it with the bats. They have 117 runs scored. Everyone else is flown around 40 or 50. Um, the Red Sox have 58, but we've allowed 85, which, if I just look closely, besides the Orioles in our own division, who we play tonight, um, that is the second highest runs allowed. So pitching's been a little shaky. I'm sure we'll figure it out start of the season. You know, that World Championship hangover is probably still in there. And I'm also not worried because I'm excited that Dustin Pedroia is finally he's back. He's, I don't know how much he'll be playing and I'll watch the game tonight, you know, here in a little bit and see how much he's playing and, you know, if he's the same guy he was before. Um, but he should be healthy. I'm pretty sure he's healthy. Um, and it's not like we need a second baseman. Like, we got guys that are very versatile and, uh, like, Brock Holt um, and Water Nunez and a couple other guys that could play second base. Uh, if we still have Ian Kinsler, I don't even know if we still have Ian Kinsler. I should probably look that up. I feel like he probably would have signed a deal with somebody else. No, he's still with uh, 
Let's picture. Oh, he's with the Padres. Okay. So he's not. He's not with us, which is fine. Um. So it's not like you have a need a second base. Like, oh my god, we need a fucking second base filled. Uh, we need to fucking go and shop around or buy somebody off the market. But uh, I'm mainly excited for Pedroia being back just because of his uh, his aura around the field and around the guys. Obviously, I'm not in the clubhouse every day. I haven't even been in a game for several years. Um, but as far as I know, Pedroia is he's you know he's a veteran guy. The young guys can look up to. He's a veteran voice and a veteran presence that does the thing the right way. Shows up early, leaves late, um, and is an all team type of guy. He's gonna fucking do everything he can for the team to win. You know, I don't want, I've never met the guy. You know, maybe he's a selfish asshole, and I'm just hyping him up because he's my favorite player, and I have his jersey. Um, I'm kind of blowing him right now, but, <laughs> um, you know, I think he should he should provide a needed boost for a team that, I wouldn't say, I mean, they are struggling, but just a needed boost in, in charisma and um, confidence and just... I don't know, and just it's it's weird. There, there are players like that, and it's even in like youth baseball or youth sports, any sport where, you know, if that guy's on the field, and usually it ends up being the best player on the team, especially younger, because that's just an objective thing. Obviously, the, your best players on the field, teams gonna suck less, or they're gonna be worse. You know, yeah, maybe somebody fills a spot, or the team, everyone else on the team comes together and they elevate their game so they stay on that level or maybe even above. But objectively, on paper, your best player's gone, you got worse. I'm not saying Pedroia's their best player. Um, he's, I don't think he is. Uh, maybe at one time. Um, but definitely not now with the likes of Mookie Betts and you know Xander Bogarts and Andrew Benettini um, and J.D. Martinez. Um, and Pedroia maybe never was the best guy with Manny Marieres and David Ortiz on the field, but he also we always played a, a vital role. And, you know, those guys are more infectious. The guys, the, the team player, uh, the team guys, the guys that make everyone laugh in the clubhouse. Or it doesn't even have to be, you know, laughing or joking around or, you know, you can still be super serious and be this guy and bring the team together bring all your you know your comrades together in a single single mind and a single focus um you know those guys those guys are rare i'm definitely not that guy i was always the guy that just kept to myself and you know just want to be left alone (laughs) uh i wish i wasn't that guy i wish i was that guy that would that was uh you know, wanted to be the captain role. It's not that I can't be a captain and set a good uh, example. I don't really want it. Um, I can't tell you why. Maybe it's lack of motivation. Maybe it's lack of drive within myself. Maybe I have low testosterone. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But and it's maybe I, maybe I fear the pressure. Maybe I just don't want the pressure. I think it's more of I just don't want it. You know, I kind of just want to hang out and chill, man. Yeah, I want things to get better. I want to become better as an individual and as a person. Um, you know, everyone says each and every day, and yeah, I was going to say that too. And yeah, you should become a better person, version of yourself each and every day. That's a lot to ask for. Um, um, I sound like a real bitch right now. That's all I know. 
but I like to chill. I want to enjoy life too. And yeah, enjoyment and uh, comfort are like the biggest crutch in this world. Uh, things that make you feel happy, make you feel good, make your tummy full, make, uh, you know, a Taco Bell feel so great going down in your mouth and down your stomach or the fucking the booze and the feeling you get when you're drunk and you're, care, you're you know, careless or whatever. You know, most of the things that are, you you think that are, or most of the things that are good, it's not even that they're good for you, the things that, like, taste good or feel good, you know, they apply to your senses. Um, it's almost like a biological trick. Um, and we may have been programmed, I'm not saying we're programmed by a computer, but we may, we essentially have been programmed over... Um, you know, generations of of evolution and passing on genes to the people that survive and the people that, you know, are could find a mate and reproduce and, you know, pass on their genetic code to the next uh to the next generation, the next version of these people. Uh, the future version of the people. <laughs> um I don't even know where I was going with that man. Um Fuck, dude. And it's true, a complete bank. That's my fault, but whatever. Um, get on tangents. That's what I do. Um, Kyle High Club. Don't like it. You know what to do. You're supposed to either. You're supposed to blow me. Staying on the MLB train, um, found a, I guess a new, this is actually a news report. So I got a news report saying that the White House canceled a deal, essentially a deal that was in place with MLB in, in Cuba, the United States government that allows Cuban players to come over to MLB and play, you know, and set up, I don't know the details, honestly, or how it works, and, um, you know, I'm assuming this deal probably came out of when Cuba and the U.S., uh, Cuba, or the United States shut down, you know, bartering with Cuba, they put a fucking, I forget, trade embargo on them, that's what it's called, I think, right? They don't trade with them. They don't, you know, they don't take anything from them. They don't give them anything, no matter what it is. No shipping vessels are going to keep them. Of course, some things are. You know, you can't stop criminals. You know, whatever your idea of criminal is. But idea of criminal is just whatever other people have written down on a piece of paper and tell you they could throw you in a jail for doing it. That's all a criminal is. I'm not saying you should, there aren't things that are bad in this world you shouldn't do. Obviously, you shouldn't. You know, the obvious things. Rape, murder, steal, cheat. Cheating's fine sometimes. You know. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. But, you know, I'm assuming this MLB Cuban deal was probably put in place when that trade embargo was in there. And, you know, maybe this is one of these things I should research and look into. Um... But fuck it. Um, 
And yeah, I know there's instances in the past, and I know there's a 30 for, there might be a couple 30 for 30 documentaries about uh, Cuban-born players like fleeing uh, Cuba to come play baseball in America. And I'm assuming this rule was put in place or this deal was so they didn't have to do that, and maybe, you know, they can come to some sort of agreement where, okay, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's fucked up what I was going to say. But I guess I just say it now. I was going to say, yeah, Cuba sucks. I mean, Cuba doesn't suck. I haven't been there. It's probably awesome. People are probably awesome. Uh, they probably lost food um, and other things. The women are very attractive. It's a place maybe I'd retire. Um, but their economic system and government system wasn't very, at least to our standards, very uh, very organized, very clean. Or just good, let's just say good. I don't know. Any word you want to use. I don't even know what that has to do with anything. Kind of just rambling on. He's a bitch. But I don't understand the reason why you would cancel this deal now. Especially when the trade embargo has been lifted. Maybe that's why it's been lifted. Um... You don't keep up on politics too much, but maybe they just took it away because it's like, well, we don't have any problem with them, so we don't need a special deal. Um, so we're just going to cancel it. If you want to come, you can come through, you know, immigration processes or whatever, which are fucking terrible right now. And offices are all backed up because all the fucking policy and bickering going on back and forth right now between everything. Um... But I think if a guy's fucking nasty at baseball, man, let's get him in the fucking MLB, period. You know? Maybe we don't bring along all his cousins and his uncles that might have shady backgrounds. You know, and it's going to be hard to stop them from communicating, but, I mean, does this guy want... I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't understand any of that stuff, so I'm just going to end it there. And I do have another politics scene to talk about. I have 14 minutes left, so I don't know if I want to go into it. Uh, so one news, uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, Duke uh, basketball player, decided to enter the draft. He's right now whoever's board it is. I don't even know who it was, but their number three prospect on their board going in. I'm assuming Zion Williamson's first. I don't know who's two. I should probably... Look into that, but I'm just a Duke fan. I don't really watch college basketball, watch a tournament. Um, I've talked about the tournament in past episodes because it just happened. Um, yeah. So, anything in the draft, good luck, make millions. You'll be straight, bro. Hell yeah. And I guess the last politics thing, uh, and I guess it's good. I have a little time limit on it. Uh, got less than 13 minutes to talk about it uh, before an hour's up, and I don't, I don't want to go over an hour today. Uh, it's Friday. I'm trying to fucking do shit. I'm fucking hungry. Um, so Julian Assange got arrested yesterday, I believe. Yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. Um, you know, all the days run together. And essentially, he had been sitting in, I believe, Ecuador's embassy in the UK for like seven years now. Um, 
denied access to going outside, supposedly denied access to internet, and supposedly a bunch of other human rights violations. And this all essentially stemmed from him leaking information to, to I believe, WikiLeaks, and I believe that was his company, and he was controlling it until, you know, he had to go on the run or whatever. He essentially leaked some footage of American soldiers killing everybody, not America. I don't know what it was. I didn't watch it. I didn't want to know, honestly. Um, I just like to talk shit about stuff and shouldn't take anything I say seriously, honestly. <laughs> if you don't get that by now, then what the fuck? Who are you? How dumb are you? Um, <laughs> that's rude. But, you know, essentially you leak some shit that, you know, and I don't know the rules around leaking things or whistleblowers or what's treason and what's not, I feel like it's probably pretty subjective. You could probably say anybody commits treason if, you you know, if you're the highest power, if you can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, and maybe we have a government that limits that. I don't know. I don't want to test it, that's for sure. I'm just sit here and talk, be high and talk about shit. But essentially, Assange leaked some shit government didn't like, and I believe they tried to... I don't know if they tried to hunt him down, but they tried to arrest him, and it's pretty obvious that they most likely have a hand in this as well, uh, so essentially, and I looked into it a little bit just when it was breaking, just because people are tweeting a, tw- uh, you know, a Twitter storm, and just the people I follow and I trust were really into it, and they were frightened um and so then basically what happened was Assange has been in that Ecuadorian semi in the UK for a while and I believe the UK came and arrested him today they pulled him out of the building and arrested him um and I believe Ecuador's claim or at least, I don't know who this was, but somebody said that they had the fucking press strategy already, you know, formulated and stuff. And that's not a surprise. Um, governments have been formulating press strategies since fucking the 1920s. With fucking newspapers, fucking, you know, on TVs and radio. They're not going to tell you some shit that... It's, it's not that, like, they're purposely lying to you. I mean, probably are not telling us some things that are important, but they have the reasons, whoever they is. Um, I don't know. Now I got my fucking brain lost again. But essentially, you know, they said the press story was going to be that Assange violated his terms of asylum, quote-unquote asylum. You know, you've been there for seven years. How did he violate it? You haven't allowed him outside. You haven't allowed him internet, I don't even know if they allowed him a razor, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but essentially they were going to say that he left the embassy, and so then that was going to arrest them, but if you see the footage, it's clearly not the truth, they dragged him out, he seemed like he was screaming something, trying to say something, I don't know what he was saying, I don't know what's important, maybe he was a madman, he looks like a madman for sure, um, I don't even know if they, did he have access to a razor man, his beard looks worse than mine. And I don't really, I mean, I've been trying to keep it in place recently because, you know, I got some volume. Uh, I, I got I got thin hair, so I don't have good volume. But um, 
I got some length now. I got some girth. <laughs> and yeah, you guys didn't even allow them like a trimmer or scissors. I guess scissors are dangerous, and so are razors. I don't know. I guess you could. I don't know. I guess you could kill himself or something. But why would you just stop a guy from killing himself? I don't. I don't know. It's all weird. But essentially, they dragged him out of there. Had UK police. Somebody said it was special police, and there was some video of. There's two guys at the door. A guy with like really long hair, and he seems like he looked like a hobo, and another guy with balding just seemed like another guy. Wearing street clothes in the video that's dragging him out, and there was another video of somebody following this case. I think her name was Cassandra Fairbanks, and she uh, she talked to these guys and was just asking them if they knew who Julian Assange was or what they were doing, or you know they were literally just like hanging out smoking a cigarette outside the place. You know, this lady who did this video and you can watch it on her Twitter, I believe. Um, I think it was a lady. I don't know. Sorry if I misgendered you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like too shady, but the same guys that were hanging out there a couple days before were right in there in the front of the video, and you could see their faces, and it was clearly them. So they were clearly, I don't know, they were stalking him or like planning a way in, but they were clearly watching him somewhat, you know? You know, there's two dudes that just, one of them looks like a fucking hobo, the other guy, I don't know. He doesn't look like a hobo, but he doesn't look like some secret agent, you know? <laughs> they don't look like guys that would be involved in a government arrest or whatever, political arrest, while a guy was in an asylum in another country's embassy. But that's essentially what happened. UK police arrested him, and I believe the next thing that's going to happen is the US is going to extradite him, and it's probably going to happen. Because UK probably does whatever we want. I don't know. I don't know. What has the UK done ever since, uh, ever since, uh, ever since we won that American Revolution? What have they done? Nothing. As far as I know. I'm very ignorant. But, (laughs) uh, I don't know. We'll see. That'll most likely happen. We'll probably be thrown in jail forever. Just like. Chelsea Manning. Um, I don't know what either of them did or leaked or the legal repercussions or any of that stuff. So it's probably valid in arresting him and doing all that. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. It seems kind of hairy. I thought this is America. We are a democracy for the people. And when one of our people reveals some truth that our government's been doing that is fucking malign, that is fucking evil. That guy should be celebrated. He should be celebrated by the public. He should be celebrated by government officials. But of course, obviously not. I mean, he's trying to take away their bottom dollar. He's trying to take away their jobs. Or switch something up or uncover some dirty secret. Like, I have some fucked up things I've done in my past that I I wouldn't like being out there. I mean, it is what it is. I've done it. I'll answer for it. It's not anything criminal or anything like that. Um, but maybe in five years it is. <laughs> Who knows? I'll write some new rules. Um, and I've said some things I wouldn't agree with now. Um, or I'd kick my ass for saying. I'd kick my own my own old ass for saying some shit or doing some things that I did. Um, but that's what we are as people. We grow and we learn. We realize people... And guess what? Governments are made up of people. 
hundreds of thousands of people and they're valuable they do bad shit because people do bad shit they do good stuff but they also do bad stuff so of course government does does some good shit like supply roads and water things like that um they do some bad shit like drop bombs on people sure maybe we're in a war with somebody you gotta drop some bombs but uh Fatality rate of drone strikes in civilian is uh, is pretty high. It's like ninety percent civilian rate. I wouldn't say that's very efficient. Sure, we didn't lose any lives, but you're just creating more trouble by killing innocents. And even if you kill the right target every single time, that's still gonna bleed off into disciples and you know martyrs and things like that. That's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was maligned by the Roman government. And, you know, he was kind of a hippie dude. It was like for the people, hung out with prostitutes and thieves and, you know, essentially the rejects of, of the Republic. Um, and so they made an example out of him. And you know what that created? They created, I don't know if it's the largest religion anymore, but at least in Western society and at least in this country is affected. Uh, I mean, the Romans affected a lot. So I don't know if Christianity, and it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, now that, <laughs> it's kind of funny now the Vatican fucking praises Jesus, I believe, the Catholic Church, you know, Jesus is their savior, you know, that's Christianity, um, so I mean, he took over Rome after his death, and it wasn't, it wasn't really him, you know, it was his disciples, and made him a martyr, and then people that were with him talked about it and the word spread and it just spread and people eventually wrote books and you could read it you know and then it was in different languages and you know f <sighs> so I mean I'm not saying you're creating the next Jesus by you know putting down some some terrorist or some civilians that happen to be hanging around with the terrorist but essentially that's what it does um that's what would happen here. That's what happened with 9-11. Uh, when 9-11 happened, some bad shit really happened. A lot of people died. Um, and we as America never really pulled... We haven't been that close since that day. Um, we pulled together, and we were a very patriotic country. And it was pretty cool to see, especially at a young age, the kind of patriotism we showed. And we wanted to go out there and fuck up the bad guy, whoever did this. Everyone's on the same page. Um... Now, we now know that some of the war efforts were kind of misguided and we had other uh, had other intentions um, but I mean that's that's life man everything's not always about one thing it's always about everything else and everything else is connected man yeah man and I don't know we'll see how this goes I think they'll extradite Assange and I'll probably put him in jail forever um, but there's some countries that have already came out in support for him. I think Australia, maybe Ireland, have came out and said that they should send him there. I want to protect him, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And it's shaky, man, because now you're not allowed to reveal shit that the government shouldn't be doing. So that's a, a very dark place, man. And with that, I'm going to leave you in that dark place like an asshole. Except get high, man. And fuck it. And work out. Hit the bag or something. You know, beat your meat. Whatever. Spank the monkey. Do what you gotta do. Love you all. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Peace.